Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and other people to another episode of Teen It Up with CMB. I'm your host, back on our scheduled recording date. Um, as always, with my co-host Vladdy, what's going on on this fine Tuesday? Not much. Um, work is work. Been going to the gym after work every day. Um, just kind of getting ready for summer. But other than that, nothing really. I know we saw each other this this weekend for probably, like you mentioned, the first time not over a Zoom screen in months. Yeah. Uh, had a great time. Uh, it's been a great Zoom relationship. Oh, absolutely. Say. Yeah. No, the. Went to the the USFL Michigan Panthers game. It was it was all right. You know, it's more of just a good time with some friends and afterwards play some basketball, which I really enjoyed. So, I don't have too much out of the ordinary. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, no. Uh, starting back on the nine to five life for the summer. Um, it's amazing. This is the most prepared I've been for a podcast in months. <laughs> um, when you actually have you know, a few hours to work to do and have to sit at your desk for eight hours, regardless of how much work you have to do, you do get to pass the time. And I'm, it's amazing how quickly I went right back to my bad, like working habits that I had, like as soon as I was like unaccountable and back at a desk again. Now, interesting question. Would you say these working habits would have taken longer to kind of rear their heads if you were at a new firm, let's say, and you didn't really know the people? Definitely. I know what I can get away with already. So it's like, it's easier to go back to that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, So we got a lot to go ahead. I was going to say, how is it jumping back into the, to the working life? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a grind. It's a different type of grind than school for sure. It's like sitting there all day doing the same thing unlike school where you do get to go to different classes and you get a break in between classes and stuff like that is definitely different. Um, but coming home at five o'clock or five 30 and not having anything to do is so much nicer than having to worry about, you know, two, three, four hours of reading to do at night. Yep. So I don't mind that at all. It's only been two days. Um, we got a whole summer ahead of us. Um, anyways, lots to talk about in the sports world, which is generally what we talk about on this podcast. Um, both conference finals are set for both the NHL and the NBA. We'll get into that. There's a major, it's major week. It's at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York. Uh, and then we'll kind of mention and touch on the main points, uh, that might happen towards probably going to happen during this podcast, maybe the later portions, um, in terms of the NBA lottery. So a decent slate for you. Where would you like to start? I say let's start with the let's start with the PGA. I think that can kind of be a nice lead into the playoffs. And then, like you say, if we if we go if we ramble for long enough, we'll have the lottery live reactions. Uh, we'll see how that happens. But I say let's start with the PGA. Yeah. So the PGA Championship, my opinion, one of the least, probably the least uh, prestigious major, definitely the least prestigious major, actually. Um, uh, Oak Hill Country Club. Um, Historic course has played seven majors prior to this. Hasn't been a major there in 10 years, um, in 2013. From what I've heard, it's it's tough. They've done a lot of demolition and actually added different new holes, not just like making holes harder, but adding completely new holes in its of itself in the last four years. Okay. Um, and I've heard from what I media sources that it's it's playing more like a US Open than a PGA in terms of difficulty, um, which will be fun. Um, it'll be cold Thursday and Friday morning. It's Rochester. It's similar to weather we get here that in mid-May, you don't know what you're going to get. 
Um, it does look like there's no rain in the forecast, which is good. Um, but I would be wary of picking guys that have multiple morning tee times. Um, I know that can't really be controlled once you move on in the second round or in the weekend um, because it's going to be cold. Other than that, it looks everybody's playing that you would expect. The betting favorite is John Rahm. Um, it's kind of him and Scotty Scheffler's world, and we're just living in it. Yes. Um, I don't know. Do you do you have any guys you like this week? So maybe not guys I like. Let me go with I. I'm gonna sh- go straight off the bat. I don't think Brooks will be able to kind of repeat that performance he had. Really? The, yeah. I I don't think it, I think that was kind of one of those just maybe it's the familiarity with the course. You know, having played Augusta year over year. Um, maybe it was something else. I, I just, I'm not saying he's some first round cut guy, but I don't think you're going to see him leading the tournament or being in the final pairing come Saturday, Sunday. I, I, I disagree completely. I think a healthy Brooks Kepka is a top five player in the world. I guess, I mean, that's it. I guess we'll see. Um, no, I mean, in terms of guys, I, it'll be kind of cool to see Cam Smith, um, did he miss the Masters? Why? Why do I feel like he no. did? You sure? Yeah, he played. Okay, I don't he, know why. I mean, he made the cut, but was nowhere near. Okay, maybe that's why. Just because I didn't see any of like his. Uh, I mean, I guess it, it. As always, it'll be cool to see the the kind of the the popular live guys back there. But I think you kind of nailed it. It's it's Rom and Scotty. Um, I guess I'll I'll kind of flip a coin and give me John Rom. Let's say. Let's create a storyline saying this guy might be having a chance at the the, the calendar slam. Which yeah, that would be John John Rahm one would be two two of the four majors, and we've only played two of them. Uh, it would be five wins on the year. Uh, so that'd be absurd for him to win. I mean, he's coming off rest. Uh, he finished second in the Mexico Open the week after the Masters, and hasn't played since. So he's well rested and really like has as good a shot of any any tournament he goes into to win. So the one um, else that, I'm sorry, I was just, I was saying, I'm not too familiar with Oak Hill. Who, what, what kind of course does that suit? Does that suit the bombers? Does it suit maybe some, some more strategic players? How, I guess, if, if you know, I've heard tight and long. Okay. So, I mean, it's so, going to benefit bombers, but it's also, uh, you actually got to land in the fairway or you're yeah, playing you have to get it in the fairway. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I actually said in my notes, I like Kepka, but I think I want a Rob Scheffler kind of duel. We haven't gotten that since those have kind of, they've kind of separated themselves as the clear yes. cut one and two. It would be cool to see kind of them go head to head and maybe not, they don't even have to play together on the last Sunday, but to be there on the leaderboards together going shot for shot late into a Sunday afternoon would be awesome. I completely agree with that. Um, I think- Another little tidbit I had was uh, Rory. Uh, as I said, it's been 10 years since this course has hosted a major. So a lot of these guys haven't played it. I think John Rahm said he's never played here before. He's, he's, he's unfamiliar with the course at all. Uh, meanwhile, Rory McIlroy is a member there. He's very familiar with the course. It's His wife is from around there, and they have a house in that area. Okay. Uh, so he'll be home cooking. I know he's kind of had some issues uh, the last month or so, obviously, the, a colossal collapse at the Masters, and then withdrawing from the RBC and RBC or the Wells Fargo, whichever one. Those are the two designated events that have happened since the Masters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where his, his headspace is. At. I wouldn't count him out. I think I have him as a little bit of a, a sleeper that I think not re- a sleeper that's not really a sleeper, I guess. That's interesting that you say that uh, some of these guys have never played. I I guess one of my future questions would have been, is this one of those courses that like hosts a tournament? But I guess it's not. Um... No, it's like I said, it's its seventh major. So it's pretty highly regarded as a historic course. Um, the highest tournaments that's ever been shot there is also only minus 10. So it's played hard in the past. And from what everything I've heard is they've been not, this nothing but harder. So it's kind of an older course. It's, that has like a, a lot of the like I said, a lot of these guys that are thirty two and below haven't even played before. Okay. So, well, my pick, you and John Rom. I am gonna go with just because you said he won't have a chance. Brooks Kepka. Wow. I guess that that should that should be an interesting one. Um, I I the one I guess the one the last thing I would want to mention about this, and I know we talked about it at the Masters, is there's no Tiger Woods. Um, yeah. And I know we we did the topic on Tiger Woods the week after because we kind of saw once again what he kind of is at a major, and maybe we're thinking to ourselves, is it time to walk over to the to the senior tour and get into a cart and start driving around? And I think it's kind of nice in the sense that we're not going to sit there and I mean, you know what it is when Tiger Woods tees off, everyone's tuned in on ESPN Plus, the featured group. You're watching, and then you sit there and you're talking to your buddies. Oh, damn, Tiger just missed that five-footer. Damn, Tiger can't yeah. – the, the chips are not as good as they used to be, the the short game. I mean, the distance still seems to be there. Um, it's just maybe the consistency. Can't really put it together, like, you, like you've said, for four rounds. I mean, at this point, even for one round. But mm-hmm. I think it'll be nice not having to put all of that kind of fake emotional investment of oh let's watch tiger and then three like an hour later like oh tiger's three over i'm gonna turn this off so i I think that's kind of nice um and it's almost like this like stress bubble that you have as a viewer is just taken away because you you don't have to worry about the tiger thing you can just focus on the good golf i mean i'm sounding like a new golf watcher by saying that but yeah but that's how i feel about that yeah so I guess that's the that's kind of the, the quick PGA wrap. Um, do we go NHL or do we go NBA? Where do you want to go playoff wise? Uh, I can take I could do some hockey talk real quick and then right. we can kind of get into the. I NBA. actually like that kind of go one after another NBA at the end. Uh, so a lot's kind of happened. I mean, obviously the conference finals are set. Um, the Leafs, I believe they were down three zero at the time. They did win one game. However, they lost catastrophically in game five in overtime. The biggest thing from that series for me is where do the Leafs go from here? You're looking at three guys that make well over $10 million. That's three guys that make over a third of the salary cap. Just in those three guys alone, make 40% of your roster. If you count Nylander, it's about 55% of is locked in on four players. So they don't win. They are not going to win together. Matthews has one more year left on his deal. He can sign an extension this summer. It's rumored he doesn't want to be there. Um, He said, I hope to be a Leaf. And the ball is kind of in his court. Uh, It would be tragic. I think the one thing you can't do, whoever is the general manager, which I'll get to that in a second, is you can't let him go for nothing this summer. You can't decide and let him play you um this summer by saying yeah I'll, I'll sign next summer and then have another colossal collapse and then him come to you in 2024 summer and say no I don't want to sign here and you got nothing for him 
I think the greatest example is Matthew Kachuk this past year. Uh, you would hope Austin Matthews does the same. Uh, Matthew Kachuk said, listen, I got one more year left on my deal. I'm going to be a UFA after this. I'm not going to sign in Calgary. Uh, Calgary said, all right. They ended up trading him to Florida. Kind of worked out for both teams, obviously. Uh, they got Huberto um, and Mackenzie Weger, two good players that Calgary did in exchange for Kachuk. Didn't work out. They had a rough season, uh, and it's worked out mightily for Florida, I might add. But that's kind of what I think you would hope Matthews does, is if he doesn't want to be here, let that known this summer um, so that they can move on from you now and get something out of the exchange. And now from a fan side, we kind of would be rooting for him to lie to them and walk away for free. We don't like the Maple Leafs. So. No, we hate the Maple Leafs. We want this <laughs> all to end in disarray. And it really will could because there's so many questions. John Tavares makes 10 and a half. He's your captain, 32 years old, still a good player. He's like a $6 million player making 10 and a half as a top 10 highest paid player in the league. No one wants that contract. You can't move him. Mitch Marner has been great. 100 points up for a Selkie this year, disappears year in and year out in the playoffs. I don't know if you can trade him. William Nylander is the one that people talk about. He's the cheapest of the four. Um, he also has one year left on his deal. I would love for the Wings to be in conversations for him because he's only gotten better, it seems like, in his late 20s here. Um, I think they'd be stupid because he's the only one that actually came out and played in these playoffs. Um, like I said, they struggled. They had no goals as a no goals from Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner until game five of the series is not going to cut it. As far as the coaching and GM, that's kind of the next thing. Kyle Dubas's deal is up. He's kind of the wonder kid GM. He's only in his, I think he's only in his late thirties and he's got the largest franchise in hockey at the palm of his hands. Um, he said he's kind of had an emotional, I guess, what do you call those conferences at the end of the year? Like exit interviews. Oh, the exit interviews. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he said it's taken a huge toll on his family and that basically he will be either re-signing or not accepting a job from another team, which he, he'd he be a name that, although it hasn't worked out in Toronto, a team would, would hire him. There's somebody out there that would hire him immediately. Um, same thing with the coaching. I think Sheldon Keith is the first to go in all of this. I think he gets fired this summer. Um, first time head coach in the NHL. He's had three years now with this group and hasn't been able to get them over the hump in any sense. I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think this is the end of his road as an NHL coach, but it's going to be the end of the road in Toronto. It's going to be Dubas's last chance effort to save his own job is by making the coach the scapegoat. Um, so that advances one of two um, small market teams and probably a conference final that features four very small markets, I'd argue, for hockey. Um, Carolina also beat the Devils in five. I think that was the night we recorded. Um, Devils fans, you got dominated by a clearly more veteran, better team. Um, they have a lot to be excited about. Jack Hughes is special. They have so many good young – Luke Hughes is coming up. His younger brother play, played for them in game four and five of the playoffs. Nico Heeshire is a young captain. They have so many nice young pieces. Uh, and this was the first year. They were one of the worst teams in the league last year to make it to the second round, um, to get good playoff contributions from young pieces. Um, they have a bright future ahead, and this is only the beginning for them. Um, that being said, I do think Carolina is probably the worst team left. No, that's not true. With, with the injuries, they're the worst team left. 
they're the hardest team to play against. I think I said that on the last show. Yes. And that they find ways to win. And I do think they're going to beat Florida. There you go. That's my preview uh, for the East. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Because they're just so damn hard to play against. Uh, Last night, the last series. Oh, yeah. Dallas beat Seattle in game seven. Kind of a boring game. They did go back and forth. Dallas just had a little more firepower. I I mentioned that Seattle is this like team of just good, solid players and no stars. Uh, it, it it ended up mattering. Rupe Hintz, Heiskanen, Robertson all looked great in Game Seven, and that was kind of the difference. Um, yeah, again, Seattle's another team like New Jersey where you're happy with your season. Second year as a franchise, you make the second round. Good pieces, Matty Beneers, Jake McCabe, just good young players on that squad. Uh, and then probably the one I also, the biggest controversy besides the Leafs, Vegas tops Edmonton the other night in game six in a 10 o'clock start on a Sunday night when there were no other hockey games. Um, I'm not going to add that ESPN clearly has no interest in hockey, and I don't understand why they bought the rights to hockey if they were <laughs> not going to ever play hockey over freaking Sunday night baseball or anything else. So ESPN's very interesting in uh, everything they do. Um, I just like it's frustrating as a fan of the sport to uh, like you thought hockey going to ESPN was going to be this great thing. Like, oh, like they pimp their product. It's going to be awesome. Well, they put all the regular season games on ESPN Plus. Yep. And now they're on a Sunday. You had the NBA game at 3.30. Why was this game not at 7 or 7? I don't care if it's on the West Coast. Why, why is it a 10 o'clock start on a no, Sunday? I, so, interestingly enough, with the Lakers and the Warriors, if the Warriors had won game six, game seven would have been a West Coast game at 3.30. The Philadelphia-Boston game would have been a 7 o'clock tip. Um, and that kind of, kind of proves your point of you exactly. just because you're on the West Coast, you don't have to start at 10. Um, the other thing I want to know, and I guess maybe this is a tangent we didn't plan on talking about, but these TV networks complain about piracy and complain about people, about stream East and crack streams and this and that. Yet they do absolutely everything in their power to push the customer in that direction. It's a joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the regular season games on ESPN+. Plus. Do you see that the NFL is going to have an exclusive playoff game on Peacock? Oh, I did kind of see that guy in the mutual group chat. So yeah. so that means that they're, you're going to have to have Peacock, correct? Yes. One, one of the playoff games, I, I obviously they have no idea what it, whether it will be NFC, AFC. I'm assuming it will be a wild card game, um, but – one of those games will be exclusive to Peacock, which means the entire country will be watching on Stream East. So now Thursday night football, you already need to have Amazon. Yes, you do need watch. to have Amazon for that. Um, now you so that's to- an even. St- I would imagine even less people have Peacock. Oh, absolutely. No. So speaking about the, give me one second. I need to pull up uh, what the NFL has done with their product, which to me is just shambolic. So, if you want to watch all of the NFL next year, you need CBS, Fox, NBC, ESPN, ABC, Amazon, NFL Network, ESPN Plus, and Peacock. With the fact that Sunday Ticket, which I believe is kind of the when you get, I think Sunday Ticket is where you get all the games, right? Yeah. That is exclusively on YouTube TV. Mm. 
And it is also like 400 bucks or some absurd shit like that. So I just, I, I don't know if, and honestly, maybe it's shame on us. Maybe these, maybe these companies are doing this because the, the regular person keeps buying this. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who will do some one week free trial of Peacock and then forget to cancel that free trial and Peacock will start charging them and it'll work out. It's just, for me, it's outrageous what TV networks do to what what they do to sports at this point. Yeah, it makes sense for the NFL where you can like they have us by the palm of their in the palm of their hand, and that they can literally go, we're going to spread the costs to whatever bidder, whatever streaming network, whatever yep. country wants to put on this game because we know we know people will watch it and we'll get the kind we'll generate the revenue for them. You just give us that bid to get. Yeah, us to allow you to show our game because we know our fans travel to anything yeah. and we go through lengths to do anything for it. It's amazing that that's the state of football right now. Yeah, no, and it, it, I think it'll be really interesting to see where this breaking point is, where the average fan sees a law of diminishing returns. Says, you know what? Maybe I don't want to pay fifteen more dollars a month for Peacock to watch one game, and maybe one day the NFL will say, "Oh, wait, we're now losing money on this because not enough people are tuning in." Yeah, football is the rare one, too, where there's no isolation, I feel like, between the older and younger crowd. And that there's it's kind of distributive of like the older generation and the younger generation. Each watch an equal amount are equally into it, where I feel like maybe you have the NBA has a higher younger demographic. The MLB has a higher older demographic. Hockey, I would say, has an older demographic. Like, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a discrepancy between the median and the mean in ages in other sports and that's not present in football so they really do by the law of averages like you said where will be that line of diminishing returns? Yeah, i don't know we'll see well but anyways vegas tops edmonton in game six meaning that we will go 30 years without a canadian team winning a stanley cup woo! Or i don't know america! Do, do we cheer that i think yeah we, we cheer that i mean yeah. america go <laughs> Although there's like American players on Canadian teams, but whatever. Uh, sure. Vegas, I think they're my cup winner. This is my preview for the West. I think Vegas is going to win the whole thing. They're the most put together roster. They're on their fourth fourth goalie now of the playoffs, or sorry, of the season of the okay. season. That makes it a little better. Uh, and it's and he came in and played great in game six. Again, let in the first two shots of the game and then kind of held hunkered down and played great. Aiden Hill is his name. Big six well, five guy. What year is this of the Vegas franchise? Like what, four, five, six? This is six, and this will be their fourth conference final in six years of the franchise. I know if I remember correctly, maybe not they abused the kind of the expansion draft, but I, I feel like if I remember listening to you guys talk, it's a lot of teams didn't really know how to protect their players the best way possible. And Vegas got a much better, just because I think that there hadn't been an expansion draft in so long that maybe GMs just didn't understand. Whereas yep. the Kraken did not have that luxury and teams knew a little bit better saying, Hey, like leave these guys and they're just not going to touch them or they'll be less inclined and just yep. better protect. Better and I think players. you're seeing kind of the cost effect uh, of rules put in place to where if we're going to charge, you're going to laugh, but like you, we're going to charge these a new owner, you know, 500. I think the Vegas went for 500 million seven years ago. Um, we're going to charge them that kind of money for their team to stink for seven years. We're not going to get the price or the buyer that we want. So let's put all these kind of stopping grounds in place to where we make it easier to actually 
be go from no non-existent to a team competitive then yeah then actually have a rebuild it's easier not we're they're gonna make it easier so that the (laughs) it's incentive for people to spend money on a brand new franchise Now, I guess maybe the last thing is, do you see the NHL expanding past 32 teams, or do you think maybe they're going to wait for a different league to go with past 32 before they do that? Uh, so I think the whole the Arizona thing needs to get solved before they, would they do any expansion because there's a chance that that team gets relocated. Okay. Um, so I think that whole situation needs to get figured out. They're playing in the Arizona State Hockey Arena that only yes. seats 5,000 people right now. Um, and while it was made for an electric atmosphere, um, I think the city of Scottsdale was voting uh, this week on if they were going to get approved for a new stadium. And if they don't, there's a very strong chance they don't make it another five years in Arizona that they do get relocated. If you um, had to pick, if you had to pick a city where they go to, where do you think they? I think Houston is the next market they have to tap into. Um, I know there's hockey in Texas already in dallas but i think it's one of the biggest markets that you can go for um the second one i like uh the three that i've seen is thrown around are houston kansas city and quebec city so i feel like i feel like what well, quebec city is obviously they this is the history what was it the nordiques up there all yeah. those years ago i think kansas city could be a sneaky great one it's a very passionate city with the chiefs and there's no basketball. The baseball team is in ruin. Um, I could see them. I could see them kind of showing up and kind of instantly becoming like a number two in that city and having a great fan base. So that, that's interesting to know. Yeah, it's interesting. And I was super against them because I didn't think that that was a big enough market. But like St. Louis, it's not. I, it's not too far off from St. Louis, right? So like, I just think Kansas Louis... City might be bigger. Right. And St. Louis, like, I, and I mean, like, they're close, somewhat close geographically, like, so that they'd same, same type of people, I guess you would say. Um, and the St. Louis Brews are one of the most successful franchises in the league yeah. and have a huge fan base. So I guess that would suggest that a Kansas City team would hold the same kind of power. Um, my final note the Oilers, man, another interesting offseason for them. Leon having a historical playoff fell apart. I don't know if he got tired. They play They had to play Connor and Leon a ridiculous amount, basically half the game, which is unheard of for hockey. Um, and it, and it, it's one of those things where they've done a good job of building the roster around them to where they're competent around them. Um, Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman each had 90 and 100 points. Like, and they go – earthly quiet two goals between the two for the two rounds that's not going to cut it they needed support they paid five million dollars which is a lot for a goalie um to jack campbell for him to lose the starting job and then get it back in the playoffs and then suck in the playoffs goaltending needs to be addressed there's a huge issue there especially since you just paid a guy um but yeah the supporting cast and it's what's been said for probably the last four years in edmonton needs to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. So they'll have an interesting offseason. It's like, what else can you do? Um, but you got two guys that aren't going to leave. You've got arguably the two best players in the league. Something needs to be done because hockey needs Connor McDavid to go and play for Stanley Cups. Yes. So that's your hockey update. Uh, conference finals, 
Vegas beats Dallas, Carolina beats Florida, and Vegas wins it all. Okay. Um, I mean, transitioning to basketball, well, I guess I'll start with the Eastern Conference semis. Um, I think this is the series that maybe has the least amount of storylines just because maybe the profiles of the teams and maybe the caliber of the players. Um, the Heat and the Knicks, I think the last we spoke, the Heat had just lost game five on the road and uh, didn't prove to be an issue, took care of the Knicks in six at home. Uh, great for Jimmy Butler. Uh, really love rooting for him. I think the Heat are actually a very likable team. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's cool that they're going to be out there playing playing Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. But, yeah, I don't think there's really much there. I think the Knicks kind of maximize their potential there with Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett. So, I, yeah. I, no- you talk about them being likable. Eric Spolstra is actually such a likable coach now after I couldn't stand him during the LeBron era. Okay, but could you not stand during the LeBron era because he was LeBron. doing something stupid? Yeah, see that the like I, I don't know if you like have like ever I'm sure you probably did during the LeBron era because I feel like they used to bring it up all the time. But Spolstra's kind of like come up through the system where like he was a video boy when he first started. He's pushing cassettes into the into the TV and watching some film to go from that to pretty not pretty of uh, incredibly successful. NBA head coach again, very likable guy. Jimmy Butler's one of the most likable guys in the league. Between just kind of the way he plays, the way he conducts himself on and off the court. I mean, I feel like even Kyle Lowry. I think he was a guy that maybe you didn't like in Toronto. I feel like he's kind of taken a maybe a step back on the antics, and maybe he's a little bit more on the basketball side. Adebayo's fun. They have a lot of role players, and I think the Heat are interesting because. Outside of Jimmy and Bam, who are obviously kind of like stars in the league, it's I, in my opinion the team kind of reminds you of just a lot of, and I guess Lowry, who's kind of who's who's a he's, he's a he's a great starter, great pro to have on your team, but it's a lot of sixth and seventh men. They're like I think you kind of mentioned it with um, some of the hockey takes where it's a lot of role guys that know what they're doing and play so well. The Heat are mm-hmm. very complete, very kind of I don't want to say the the following phrase teamy team, but it's just. You, you know what you know what you're gonna get from every player. Every player knows what they're supposed to do, and that's why they're still playing basketball right now. And I think that's on Spolstra. I think that's a yeah. credit to Spolstra. Yep. Um, and I guess we'll see how much that can carry him. Um, ne- the next series, I think this might be my kind of my biggest talking point: the 76ers and the Celtics. Yeah. This series, even though it went to seven games, wasn't interesting in my opinion. It was just kind of a combination of trading blowouts. Game six is one of the worst basketball games I've ever watched where neither team wanted to win. I mean, Jason Tatum started that game over 13 from the field. I don't think he made a shot till halfway through the third quarter. Um, yeah, so my biggest point with this series is it's, it was a lot of superstars. We'll get into it on the Philadelphia side that seemed like they didn't want to step up and be the superstar that takes over a series until yep. game seven. Yes. Um, who the top dog was. Yes, and game seven, although it's it's game seven, it's the greatest phrase in sports, yada, yada, and it wasn't the greatest phrase in sports. I mean, the first half, good. Second half, I think the 76ers really? tied at 55-55. And then I think I looked back, I looked down at my phone, I looked back up, and it was 80 to, like, 57, and I was like, yep. what? Good yeah, old-fashioned ask. Boston couldn't miss. Um, I think Philadelphia got held to 10 points in the third quarter. Jason Tatum, obviously, you say a star-making star plays. He was a guy who had things gone south um, in game six, and let's say they got knocked out. 
he was a guy who would be probably public enemy number one in Boston from last year's finals to flaming out to the 76ers. So good for him. Um, from the Philadelphia side, they get to move on. I think they're a better team than the Heat. We'll see what happens when they actually play because I think Jimmy Butler is probably the most consistent star in that game, although Jason Tatum is probably a higher ceiling. Best there. player, yeah. We'll, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, you mentioned the 76ers. That might be one of the most dysfunctional organizations right now. Um, the process didn't work. No, I mean, the process was – I mean, they haven't really been part of the process in so long. I mean, Fultz and Simmons aren't even there. Um, you, you Harden wasn't thinking, really a part of that. Yeah, I mean, you've gone through two or three GMs since the process started. Um, I think James Harden is – a, is probably the second biggest loser in basketball behind a guy we're going to get to later. Um, he had nine points in game seven. That's unacceptable for a guy who wants to be considered a star. Um, I think it was eight, 18 in game five, 14 in game six, and nine in game seven. <laughs> yeah, that's just fraudulent. You can't be doing that. Um, Doc Rivers, in my opinion, is one of one of, if not the most overrated coach, maybe in basketball. Yep. I mean, I guess he's not really a coach right now. They fired him yesterday. Yep. Um, his one title was 15 years ago. He boasts 10 game seven losses, which yep, is more than which is more than any other franchise in basketball. He has three blown three one series leads. Mm. Um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a joke. Uh, I mean, going back to the Harden thing. He's a guy who just blows teams up with his own stupid antics, like what he did in Houston where he was wearing those stupid shirts trying to fake being fat to get sent to Brooklyn. Then he, then I don't know what happened in Brooklyn, whether he quit or Katie traded him away because Katie was really the GM there. I just, th- and that I just think Harden's an idiot. Um, and I also, I kind of want to start a discussion on Embiid. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't want to go as far as I am with these other guys because Joel Embiid actually looked like he was trying um just it didn't go so well for him i don't know man you can't look that out of shape and disappear and look that afraid after you win an mvp so that's not an mvp no i i was gonna talk about that i'm just saying i think he tried and i think he got clamped by al horford and if you're gonna get clamped by al horford you're not the mvp that that's what i, I was that's what i was gonna say and i also think you like we you prefaced it by i'm not gonna go as hard into him I think he deserves just as much, if not more. Everyone likes to make excuses for him on why he can't win year after year. Oh, he had Ben Simmons. Oh, he has Doc Rivers now as a coach. Oh, James Harden's not a winner. No, he's not a winner. He's a little crybaby who doesn't win. And when somebody shuts him down, he hides into a shell. And that's not an MVP. That's not a good player. That's not a number one on a team. And that's not a winner. And that's what he is. He's a loser. He's also a loser, just like everyone in that franchise. I mean, I can't disagree. I mean, some stats that are kind of interesting. His points per game in the regular season was 33. His points per game in the playoffs was 24.7. If you're the MVP, you cannot take an almost 10 point per game drop in your play. And the thing that's really disappointing is that MVP, to be honest, was never actually his. It was a Fugazi MVP, but for some reason, the voters hate giving the award three times in a row to one player. 
where Giannis won it back to back and probably should have won it a third year. But they were like, well, we can't give it to him again. So then they gave Jokic one. Then Jokic won it last year. And then Jokic should have won it this year. But once again, they hate giving this this type of award out three years in a row. I don't know why. Sometimes the best player is the best player. And even then, that's not always the case. Maybe the, the MVP usually goes to the guy who had the best regular season. Maybe not yeah. the best player. But, yeah, that, that MVP was never actually his. And I think if Adam Silver has any shame, he will retroactively pick it up and say, you know what? This this belongs to a man in Denver. Um, it does not belong to you, Joel. I'm really sorry, but yeah. If you don't make the conference final, you should have to revoke your MVP. Like you should have to give it back. I mean, I don't know if I want to go that far, but like I I know what you're saying. Like maybe the fact that Embiid has now done it what three or four years in a row, losing in the second round, that just kind of it's like snowball effect it piles yeah. on and it piles on. But I think that's maybe a little harsh of a, a direct statement. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Again, I'm not. I'm not making excuses. It was. It was a tragic Hall of Shame performance from a MVP quote right. unquote for those who can't see because we're on Spotify now. But let's get to the Nuggets and the Suns. I mentioned the second biggest loser in basketball. Let's talk about the biggest loser in basketball, Kevin Durant. He might even be the biggest loser in American sports, in my opinion. Um, yeah leaving Golden State because Draymond Green hurts your feelings to try and show that you could do it yourself only to build the team twice because he he built the team with Harden and then it was like, oh no. And then he built the team again with Simmons and it's like, oh no. Um, and I understand, oh, if his shoe was half a size smaller, they would have made the, they would have made yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals. Whatever. I don't care. You still played overtime and you didn't win. Um yeah, I mean, again, you leave Golden State, you put together your own band of absolute idiots in Brooklyn, um, bringing together two or two of maybe the three most selfish and dysfunctional players in basketball, um, and then you one-up that by going to get Ben Simmons afterwards. Um, yeah, see, I don't even really have much to say about the series, because even though it went six games, it was never really in question. No, and it leads me I kind of into my question uh, for the for the Western Conference Finals, and then we'll get into the Lakers' actual how they got there. But like to me, I don't. We don't watch much of the Yoke the Yokits, the, the Nuggets, and Jokic. Uh, Trying to combine the two, uh, <laughs> and they had such a good season, right? They were the one seed, yep. and they're here, and they've kind of had no troubles to get there. For some reason, in the back of my head, I just think like, they're like, well, they're the Nuggets, and they're playing the Lakers. How can they lose? How can the Lakers? I don't care who's on either roster. You're just how talking can the, the prestige Lakers of the as team. A franchise lose to the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I can see it. And no, that's you, why I, I think the Lakers are going to win. Yeah. No. Um. The last thing I do want to say, and like this is maybe more of an open-ended question, I'll throw to you about KD specifically. If he doesn't leave Golden State, and let's say he resigns and they keep that core four together, and then obviously the role players just kind of rotate around, how many titles do you think they win? Uh, all of them? All of them except like two years ago when everyone got hurt. Now, I did hear an interesting theory. Do those players get hurt? If if they're good. If, if he stays, because, if they, because I think the, the way I look at it is – Ah, but then again, he kind of got hurt in the Toronto series and Clay got hurt. So I guess they would have missed the, the 1920 season anyway. 
So, but if he plays, if he, so was your point like, well, if he plays by himself, they're still probably sneak in the playoffs. Well, no, what I was going to say is if he's there, maybe the other guy, Steph in particular, because I know he had kind of some of the issues, he doesn't have to do as much. And maybe he doesn't get hurt. I guess that was kind of the load management of, you know what, you go be the star tonight. Yeah. I'll take a night off or I'll be the supplementary piece that they could have had. But I think that's probably a fair assessment. You probably don't win in 1920 because Clay didn't play at all and KD didn't play at all. But in 2021, you probably win. And then obviously last year they won again. So I just think that's interesting how uh, – and oh, they probably could have won this year and years years forward just because that team was – that team was stupid how good they were. But, yeah, no, let's get to the Lakers-Warriors, what was supposed to be the kind of the holy grail, in my opinion, of the second round, and it kind of turned out to be a dud. And that's all thanks in part to uh, one team not showing up. Uh, it was again, like I said, with uh, the games with the with the Sixers Celtics was kind of just a series of blowouts. I mean, game one was semi close, but blowout game two, blowout game three, game four was great. Blowout game five, blowout game six. So very dud of a series in terms of actual game by game action. But I still think there's a ton of storylines that came from it. Um, I think you immediately have to start asking questions about Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson and whether or mm-hmm. not they should be in China. Um, I mean, Jordan Poole with a horror showing um, after, especially after complaining about his minutes in the first series and this and that. And it's like, well, don't you want to like prove something to that? Or like you too busy trying to take women on dates? I don't know. Um, and Clay Thompson might be even worse because he spent the entirety of the lead up of that series talking about, oh, it's my childhood team, and my daddy was affiliated with them, and I've been waiting for 15 years for this. It's like, well, really? Because as far as I'm concerned, you you played one game. Yeah, it's interesting because Steve Kerr, his comments after they got knocked out were kind of along the lines of just like, we were not a champion. Like, we just yes. weren't good enough. Like, our team was not a championship chip team and if there's anybody who knows it's him being around the bulls obviously he's coached now coached arguably the greatest team ever uh in the pre their previous dynasty yes um so you're in a weird spot because like you can't blow it up while steph curry is 35 and still very very relevant yes um but you also like are clearly on some kind of a decline here to where you like have this window where you are going to be competitive, but are you going to be a champion? That's based upon how much you want to spend around them. So I think a lot of it, Um, you mentioned that I, I think you mentioned Steve Kerr. I think Bob Myers is probably the big piece. He's a guy who's, he's the GM who's, who's, uh, I don't say career, but his continuity with the Warriors is, is also in question alongside maybe some of the stars who are like, well, what, what's going to happen? Is he on the trade block? Is he going to resign as with like Draymond? But Bob Myers is obviously the guy who kind of put this, this dynasty together. He's the guy who's been in the front office. Um, I, I will see, I think we'll see what happens with him. Maybe he chooses to take a year off, two years off, and then he could walk back into any job in basketball that he would want. And he could say, I like this team. And they would probably fire whatever current GM they have. And they're like, Oh, please come to us. But uh, again, the, like you mentioned it perfectly, you have probably what maybe two more years of a not prime Steph Curry, but still of a Steph Curry that is a superstar game changer, the guy who can take over and drop fifty on any given night. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Maybe two more years yeah. of him. So yeah, I'd say two, and then I'd argue Draymond Green is the second most important piece right now. Yeah. I still think he's more relevant 
uh, in terms of ability to contribute than Clay yeah. Thompson is at this point. No, and if uh, I don't know if you saw Kerr's comments today, but he basically said in terms of uh, them trying to re-sign Draymond, he basically said, "If Draymond's not here, we're not a we're not a contender." So yeah. it, that alludes to obviously they're going to try and bring him back. Um, and you're completely correct. Like the way he plays, what he does in that specific offense is perfect for him. And they need to bring him back. So the Warriors will be a very interesting kind of situation this offseason. They've never shied away from making moves, getting Wiggins and shipping Russell out, getting Russell, Kevin Durant in and out, this and that. So they've always been willing to do this kind of high risk, high reward stuff. Now, again, that's Bob Myers. Maybe if there's a new guy, it's a little bit more of, hey, we've got Kaminga, we've got Moody, we've got all these, we've got these young pieces who we believe in. And then maybe they try an organic route. Maybe Joe Lacob doesn't want to pay luxury tax anymore because I know he pays an absurd amount with them over the cap, but obviously they're allowed to because they drafted all their guys. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, I think it, it, it is a complete we'll see moment. I'm sure we'll talk about it as the, the off seasons and the drafts and the moves happen. And hopefully they can kind of hopefully can do Steph Curry right and give him two more years of contending for a title whether it be losing in the second round, losing in the third round, but at least give him an opportunity to continue to win titles. Yeah, I agree. But moving to the Lakers, I know we this we, this turned into kind of a, a Warriors uh, Outlook. sermon, but to the Lakers, I mean, they were the better team. LeBron and, and Anthony Davis, I mean, let me rephrase, LeBron got so much more out of his supporting cast, and that includes Anthony Davis, because when you think about it, that is LeBron's team. Yeah, and he got more out of Anthony Davis than Steph did out of Clay. He got more out of Austin Reeves than Steph did out of Jordan Poole. He got more out of Rui Hachimura than Steph did out of X. He got more out of this than Steph got out of Y. And absolutely every single Lakers quote unquote role guy or bench player outplayed his counterpart on the Warriors, and that's why the Warriors are going to be in Mexico this week, and the Lakers will be playing basketball tonight. Plain and simple. Yeah, but I do think moving forward, like the Lakers kind of scare me a little bit just because it is so dependent on role players. To where if your your role players are just as likely as they showed up, they're just as likely to disappear. And I worry against the a, probably a team that's a little more all around better, um, with probably the best player on the court as well in Jokic. Uh, that I, I I really do worry about the Lakers as far when you actually look at the rosters. Unlike my my. So let me let me kind of preview the conference finals real quick. Uh, I'll preview the Heat Celtics quicker just because I think it's pretty simple. The Celtics are a better team, but Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler, and yep. we will see what happens. Um, my head says take the Celtics, so I'll take the Celtics to make it to the NBA Finals. But the Lakers and Nuggets is an interesting one because the Nuggets don't play defense. The Nuggets are strictly a we're going to outscore you team. Um, and that's, I mean, that might be interesting because that might play into the Lakers' hands. I mean, the Lakers are more of a defensive team. They like getting back in the half court and making you earn it. If, you know, if they can combine that with, hey, we get some easy points because the Nuggets just are not defensively inclined, that's great for them. However, you mentioned the best player on the court. You mentioned, we mentioned the probably should be three time MVP. They have not played somebody like Nikola Jokic. This, I think this entire series, not that this is some revolutionary insight Sherlock Holmes moment by me, but if Anthony Davis can slow 
Nikola Jokic, I think the Lakers win the series. But if Anthony Davis does his continual one game on, one game off, one game on, right. one game hurt, one game off, one game hurt, one game back on, I think they're done. Um, I think it's a Nuggets win. So I, I, th- this one is harder for me to predict because I think there is more variability in the teams. You mentioned maybe all these role guys that just had career series won't have the same. Maybe Austin Reeves goes cold. Maybe he's not hitting 50-foot buzzer beaters off one leg to end the half. Maybe Jared Vanderbilt's not clamping a Steph Curry, though he doesn't really need to. Be, I guess Jamal Murray's pretty good. But I think this is an incredibly fascinating series. Um, I think I'm rooting for the Lakers. I, I, I think a Lakers-Celtics finals for the history would be great. And I'm also kind of of the... Let's go with let let's go get LeBron number five. So that's my thing. I hate LeBron, but I also would like to see one more. Because I don't think the I don't count the COVID year. So he if he wants to win one anywhere hey, he hey. goes, he has to win this year. You don't count the COVID year yet. All four of those teams are now back in the conference finals. Yeah, didn't they play the Heat in the finals in that? Yeah, but I, I'm saying all four, not just all two. The 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 bubble the bubble <laughs> conference finals were the exact same. Interesting. Just saying, man. You, you call it Fugazi. You call it fake. I'm just saying. There's some it's three years ago now. Completely different. Yeah, but team. the cores are the same. Brown, Tatum, Butler, Adebayo, James, Davis, Jokic, Murray. The cores are the same. Go Lakers. Hey, go Lakers is right, but what? Well, also, wouldn't it be cool to see Lakers Celtics? Yes. Lakers Celtics for, for the historical relevance. And I mean, obviously they played, was it no in 2010 with but we were also 10 years old at the time, so I don't think we got to truly appreciate what that meant. I think getting to do it is young adults now who kind of see sports for more than just the hey, like there's 48 minutes of basketball on to watch tonight. I think it would be sensational. But yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll be back here next week. I'm, I think at that point, maybe games one and two from both series will be there. We'll be done, and we'll be able to kind of see what we've uh, – or discuss and dissect what we've seen from the from the first two games, and we'll go from there. But I don't have much more for the playoffs. Anything you want to add before we get to the lottery? No, let's get right into it. Um, the lottery on tonight, Pistons have – the best chance. I mean, isn't it the top three of the same yes. odds? The three worst records in basketball all have a 14% chance. And then it kind of goes by descending order based on record. Um, the yeah, lottery starts in 10 minutes. I actually don't think there's too much to say because it is a little bit of a Wembenyama or boss type thing because right. the gap between him and the next two guys, which are probably Scoot and Brandon Miller, is just so much. So, well, you have like what is when Benyana is kind of a generational type talent, one of the better guys in the last ten years, I think prospect wise. He's regarded as the best prospect since LeBron. Right, exactly. And then I think you have like two guys in Scoop and Brandon Miller that wouldn't even be number ones in a normal year, like without when Benyana. So. I could, I could see that. Like, I guess like when, and when you say normal, obviously like they're still like a, they're still great players. Good. Like but they'd last, be like, like two or three yes. in a different. I actually yeah. think if we compared it to last year, it might be perfect. Like last year had some good players with Paulo and Chet and uh, Jabari Smith. You're right. I think if they were if they were in the draft last year, I think Paulo still goes number one. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. 
yeah, with that said, um, it is Wembenyam or bust. Hopefully everyone gets their praying circles out, even though by the time you guys see this, um, it will already be settled. I don't think we're getting him. I'll just say that. We got second overall two years ago. I don't see them giving it to us again. Yeah, so again, there's obviously, there's always the conspiracy theorists. Um, who, are the th- who are the two other teams with the highest odds? San Antonio and Houston. Both? I'm trying, like, I'm, I can't, I could see them trying to give Houston, like, if they have to pick, because it seems like Houston's kind of in a sim- the same spot as us, like, a couple of good young players, but, like, nowhere close. Like, I could see them wanting to do it with Houston as opposed to See, us. I could see the same for San Antonio just because of the historical relevance with Popovich, but the issue is Popovich is now old. Is he really yeah. going to try and coach through the duration of Wembenyama's 10, no. 12, 15-year career? Probably not. So, uh, yeah, I see all the sides of it. The one thing I will say, though, is whether it's a conspiracy or not, whether there is someone pulling strings, I hope to God we don't fall out of the top three because I know we just mentioned Scoot and Brandon Miller. I do think... While they are an echelon below Wembenyama, I also think there's another echelon from four onwards. Who's so, projected fourth? I mean, there's the the two Thompson twins from the G League, and I don't even know anymore. They maybe that's maybe that's a combination of me not watching a lot of college basketball this year, or I, maybe just all Alabama of the what? No, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say maybe there's just maybe we we did talk about this a couple months ago. Maybe there's just no more like top tier players in college. Maybe it's all G League guys who are. Who are, who are sitting around, but uh, again, is it, I think obviously you need Wembenyama. If you don't get him, I would almost even look at trading the pick, getting a bona fide wing, great player that you can work with. I mean, the player that instantly comes to mind is a Michael Bridges type guy in Brooklyn. Um, you can obviously get more with that than just him. So we'll see. I I, I think. It, it's incredibly interesting. It's Wembenyama or bust, and let's let's cross our fingers. Cross. And with that, we hope everyone else is crossing their fingers. Do you have anything else to add? No, no, no. I I didn't know if that was how you were going to end it. Yeah, um, I was going to do the classic: go green, go white, baby. Have a good one, everyone.